Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, and you are listening to episode 54 of Kindled, and I am your host, Haley Williams. First, I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, Prep Dish. So I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. I recorded it a while ago, and I have just been dying for you guys to hear it because it it kind of came out of reading uh, an Instagram post that this guest wrote that really just hit home for me and struck me as so filled with truth and hope and encouragement that I knew you guys would enjoy a conversation on this topic. Like that's how this episode came to be. So I'm excited to finally be publishing it and airing it for you. So Tabitha and I today are talking about claiming Christ in the most ordinary moments of our lives, turning the mundane into the victorious. And she shares what that looks like in her own life as a stay-at-home mom. Now, I know we have a ton of listeners who are entrepreneurs or, or are work-at-home moms or working moms, but I also know that there's a lot of you that are not doing work that brings in a paycheck and you're staying home with your kids and serving your family in that way. Uh, you are going to love this episode. Both of you are going to love it, but I think especially the moms who find yourself in a spot or a season like Tabitha, um, where some of your dreams might be on hold or you know have, have shifted in the recent years, I think you're going to find this just so refreshing and um and good for your soul so here we go okay so today on kindled i am talking with tabitha panariso tabitha thank you so much for being on here with me today oh my gosh thank you it's an honor so i just have to you know kind of explain how this all came to be but i don't even know somehow somehow through the interwebs of instagram i landed on your page and was reading a post that you wrote recently about just the ordinariness of life and how God often does, you know, extraordinary things and extraordinary work in those ordinary moments. And, you know, like every mom, it really spoke to me because most of my life is very ordinary. And, um, you know, I was just talking to you before we started recording that, you know, I, I feel like we talk about this a lot on Kindled, the the whole idea of, you know, God using the mundane of our days to do his best work in us and his glorious things in those mundane moments. But I wanted to have just a conversation with you where that's all we talk about, you know, and um, (laughs) rather than like, Oh yeah, that's true. But let's talk about this other thing. You know, like let's dedicate an actual episode to talking about what that looks like for you and for me and, and really just like kind of exploring that reality because I think it's, you know, it's very relevant for, for every mom um, and really for every woman, every person, yeah. actually. It's, it's not exclusive to um, mom culture by any means. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to just start off by asking you three questions and then we'll kind of dive into some more in that topic. Yes, let's so do it. My first question for you is, 
what does your work look like? All right. Well, I am definitely primarily a stay-at-home mom. So that's what I do every single day. That means I'm folding laundry when I actually, you know, want to fold laundry, (laughs) making meals for my family. Um, I'm the primary person who takes care of our household and spending time with my three kids. I have a four-year-old, a almost three-year-old and a six-month-old. Mm-hmm. And I also help my husband actually with his real estate business. I'm, I do a lot of like social media stuff for him. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a, I'm a writer in the margins of all of that. Those are, those are the things that I spend the most time doing. That's okay. my work. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And your husband, does he own a real estate company? You said he's he- just, he's his own real estate okay. agent. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What does your motherhood look like? Gosh, I think it's a little bit messy. <laughs> and a little bit chaotic. But if I had to encapsulate it in a word, I would say that it's just very much surrendered to like the everyday rhythms Mm -hmm. of life. And, you know, just really learning how to kind of go along with the seasons that my kids are in and um, really just being open-handed and where they're at and um, trying to do the best for them, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's good. <laughs> and then how are you seeing God's grace in your life right now? Or how are you seeing that worked out in Oh my gosh. In every day. In every minute of every day. <laughs> you know, I think if I had to be really specific about it, before motherhood, I was a pretty laid back and patient woman. I think mm-hmm. like I, you know, really dealt with conflict well, or I, at least I thought. And I'm realizing I'm not that patient. <laughs> I'm not that calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have like a capability for anger or a well for anger more than I ever thought was possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm really seeing like God's grace in that, like learning how to lean on him when my emotions are really high and really heavy and not using my kids as scapegoats for mm-hmm. that anger that I'm feeling mm-hmm. and just really having to wrestle that out with myself and with him, you know, like, how do I how am I more patient? How can I be more patient with my kids? How can I not immediately go from like zero to a hundred and and yell and get mad? Mm -hmm. Initially, I I felt a lot of shame about that because like I said, I wasn't generally a very angry person before motherhood. And so, and I didn't really feel prepared for that either. And so when it began and started happening, it was, it was hard for me to like really admit to myself, like, this is a problem, Tabitha, like you probably need to like bring it down a notch. Um, so even just like learning to apologize to my kids and say, I'm sorry to them for moments when maybe I like had an outburst and I shouldn't have, like, that's Mm -hmm. really taught me about God's grace and like just the humility coming to him, um, humbly and asking for forgiveness and like even just coming to my kids and asking them forgiveness, like it just goes hand in hand. Um, so yeah, it's, it, he's really just taught me how to be more humble through all of that through the anger, especially. So, yeah, man, I just relate to every word you just said. (laughs) I, I am totally the same way. Yeah. didn't really think I had any anger issues until, you know, somebody tried to come in and like get on the throne of my kingdom. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Maggie Combs call it the kingdom, the kingdom of mom. And, you know, I I totally have that. And it's like, and I mean, I even still have it four years. I also have a four-year-old and a two and a half year old. So it's there. It's still there as, as much as it ever was probably. But I, but like you, I feel like how I'm growing is being quicker to realize when I'm wrong. 
you know, instead of like sitting in that self-justification of like, well, I'm mad because you guys did this or you're so disrespectful or you just don't Mm -hmm. care about me or you're like, you're just ungrateful, you know, Yes, coming back and going, you know, I shouldn't have snapped at you. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I need help too. And recently my four-year-old was like, well, because you're a sinner. And I was like, yes, you're right. That'll preach. Yes. And like what I'm constantly reminded of is like, I am a huge toddler myself. I have temper tantrums. I get mad when people try to control my choices and control my time. Like I am just like them. I'm just Mm -hmm. in a bigger body. And we're just in charge of them also. (laughs) No, yes, Yes. exactly. Oh man. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love all, all that you said there. And yeah, I mean, motherhood does bring out, you know, it brings out the best, but it also can bring out the worst. So. Oh, absolutely. um, I don't think anyone will will argue with that. Mm -hmm. So something that like, that I kind of want to start off with is you wrote, you know, you're a writer, like you mentioned, and you write, I mean, first of all, I love everything I've read that you have written. So thank you. um, I just, I love that you, it feels like you're really, you are kind of putting into words the feelings that so many of us have and, and expressing those really clear thoughts that, and thoughts and feelings that sometimes don't feel clear in my heart or in my mind. But as I, you know, am reading your post, I'm like, oh, that is a, that's totally it. And so what I would love for you to do, um, if you don't mind, is to read the post that you know that I'm referring to, um, yes. which is the one that I messaged you from and was like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to you about this. So just so people can kind of get an idea of like where this conversation is, is headed. I would love that. All right. Let's read this post. <laughs> I am just an ordinary woman. I am not an entrepreneur, a pastor, or rising leader. I have not written a book or gone viral. I'm no longer in church ministry or married to someone who is. I do not have a melodramatic backstory or remarkably wild testimony. I do not have a knack for making pretty things or even wearing them. I don't have a large online platform, nor am I quite that connected. I do not stand out. I live in a standard neighborhood in a normal town with houses that all pretty much look the same. I stay home with my kids, change diapers and vacuum floors. I shop at Target, Costco, and order my groceries online. I drink copious amounts of coffee, text religiously, and sing loudly to worship songs on Spotify. Quite obnoxiously, actually. I'm so ordinary that if you blink, you might just miss me. In fact, it seems rather peculiar that a gal like me spends all her time writing about, well, anything really, especially about victory in Christ, especially about living as an overcomer especially about fighting the good fight of faith. In fact, you might have, as I have, asked yourself, where could the victory be had exactly in a life like yours? And what are you actually overcoming? And yet that's exactly the problem, isn't it? We've become so tuned into the physical world that we've lost sight of the spiritual one. But imagine with me for a second what it might look like if an ordinary woman like me, and perhaps like you, actually lived from Christ-bought victory. Imagine what might happen if, instead of succumbing to the thought that life happened to her, she believed that she and her God happened to it. Imagine if, instead of alive to fear, comparison, doubt, insecurity, consumerism, performance, politics, pettiness, and those things that drive us closer to ourselves, she became alive to Christ and in Christ instead. Imagine if this same woman woke up every morning confidently believing that her ordinary was actually made extraordinary by her claim to Christ and by how she depended on and wielded his name, not for her good, but for his. Perhaps then, 
we might see that the ordinary life might be the most extraordinary of them all. Uh, it, yeah, seriously brings tears to my eyes just when you read that, because I think it is like the every mom, you know, it is, mm-hmm. um, it is every mom and every human, really the ordinary and the extraordinary. But I would love to ask you, like, where were you when you wrote that? Like, where were you kind of mentally? Like what, what, what led you to write that? What were you thinking about? And gosh, so many different things, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been having some conversations with friends and just the tension of being a mom in today. And I guess being on Instagram, especially because I don't necessarily see it on other social media platforms, but this drive to have a side hustle or to be doing something other than um, where we are, um, whether it's motherhood or anywhere else, really, I just, it just feels so intense sometimes. And I certainly have my own dreams and passions and I, and I have had them for a long time. And yet I quit my full-time job to become a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And so I wrestle with this, this dream that I have plus God's timing, plus how do I get there? Plus knowing that my kids are my priority, that I chose them. I chose Mm -hmm. to, to be at home with them. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much, there's so much tension and I'm just living in that tension every single day. And it's um, ambiguous. And I'm so uncomfortable with that. I'm uncomfortable with the tension. I'm uncomfortable with ambiguity of not knowing what's next or what I should be pursuing or how I should be spending my extra time or my margin. And realizing that honestly, like when I look at some women who are just striving to great things and doing incredible things, I don't see that same person living the life that I'm living. Mm -hmm. And so I think God's really just meeting me in that and reminding me that you know, power doesn't come from that sort of influence. It can, mm-hmm. but really he, he chooses the ordinary to become extraordinary and he plants the extraordinary and the ordinary. And you see that all throughout the Bible, um, in so many different places and so many different people. And so why wouldn't it be the same for me or for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're 100% right that the tension is, the tension is real, and and really probably for all of us and you know there there is some tension we're living in but but i yeah what i love about what you're saying is that like you are you know you're recognizing it and you're not going like okay well i have to i have to join in and find what is it my thing what's going to be my side hustle like that that and, and that's absolutely true that for some reason and i don't know why that that is the vibe you know and, and maybe it's just sin and it's sin given opportunity and flesh given a platform of yeah. uh, lifting ourselves up and um, notoriety and fame and ha- making a name for yourself and, and building yes. that kingdom. You know, it's like everyone having their own little uh, TV show. <laughs> really? I mean, it's what it is. It's like, yeah, and I, I enjoy Instagram. It's like, it's not, I'm not here to bash Instagram, but it's at the same time, it has created or, or given an opportunity maybe for those feelings and things we all always have to yeah. just be like amplified and, and to have give you that automatic window into everybody else's 
TV show and then go, well, mine doesn't look like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. gosh, what's wrong with me? Or, you know, and, and whether or not you work, I think it doesn't matter because we all are doing that all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of having like a, a paying job. Um, So on Kindled, we define work as the work of your hands, what you do with your time, whether it's paid or not. Yeah. But we know in this conversation, we're probably going to be saying a lot. So when I'm saying like, if you do or don't work, I think what I'm saying is outside the home or for Mm -hmm. money getting paid. Um, Because that is like, that is a dilemma that a lot of us feel. And like you said, you left a full-time job to make Mm -hmm. the choice to stay home with your kids. Like it is not that you could not have mm-hmm. a paying job. It's you chose not to for this season. And, you know, again, we know that's a temporary thing possibly. It doesn't right. have to be forever, but it's not like, let's talk about the idea of there being like a second, a second rate option here. And that there is this, uh, this message in culture that women can and should have it all. Yeah. They can be amazing mothers and they can work. While I don't disagree that that's true. I don't think that should is the word we should be using when we're talking about that. They can, but they also can be amazing mothers and not have a paying job, not have an income um, outside of what their husband is providing for the family. I mean, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. Um, you know, and, and I feel like we're probably on the same page here, but how are we responding as believers to that message? Like, do, is your sense that Christian women have like fallen prey to this idea of you're kind of second rate unless you are doing all the things and having it all in a sense? Like what, what are you sensing and what is your feeling as you're um, kind of viewing that from, from where you're at? Well, first I think that the foundation of that message is very much wrong in that we, whether we're women or men, honestly, we have the tendency to identify ourselves by what we are doing and not who we are. And mm-hmm. so it's constantly about our output mm-hmm. and not about who God has created us already, like what he's input inside of us. Yep. And, you know, I've said this before in other platforms, but my husband often asks me, who are you really? And he's like, strip away the work, strip away the work. Who are you? And a lot of us don't really know how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, without responding with, well, this is what I am doing. And I would even want to add that some women might tune out and say, well, I'm not pursuing a side hustle. I'm not trying to do all the things. But even within how you said our kingdom, our home, I think that we have the tendency of trying to do all the things, right? Um, Even when I'm not pursuing a side hustle or a creative business or whatever else, I'm trying to keep the house clean and watch the kids and teach them good quality character skills. I'm still trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we've internalized that and we don't even realize that we're responding to it. Um, I think that that's how deep the deception has gone. Yeah, um, for for a lot of women, we don't realize that we are doing as the world has told us to do, which is do more, do more, do more. Whether yeah. it's at home or at work, right. do more, be yes. more. And you I would can have it all, whether that's the, yeah the motherhood or the work, right? Right. But so if we flip that on its head, I would say we already have it all, regardless mm-hmm. of whether we're working or we're at home or yeah. even if we're not a mom, you know. Yes. So. Yeah. And that's, you know, we could probably end the episode right there. That would be enough. But 
<laughs> we're not going to. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely, I, I agree. I'm probably just going to keep saying I agree with you because I do, but I love, yeah, I, I feel that the, the problem is actually the same for everybody, you know, and that's because it's a, it, it is an issue of where do we find our hope and where do we find our identity? And like you yes. said, like, it is, it, it comes down to that. And I, you may not know this, but actually my first episode on Kindled was an, an identity issue. Um, or episode, I should say. And it was all yeah. about identity because I knew I couldn't start talking about work and motherhood and all the things that, you know, surround both of those categories mm-hmm. without addressing identity. Because if we start with our work or if we start with our motherhood, we will go very astray, you know, in the yeah. conversation. But when our identity is firm and secure, we can venture either direction to discuss, okay, well, I, you know, here's what in this right now season, my work is going to look like, or here's right now what my motherhood is going to look like. And there's some freedom there, you know, for mm-hmm. it to, to look a lot of different ways, but there's not freedom. If we start with, I am this because I do X or yeah. because I don't do Y mm-hmm. that leads you to really being in chains because there are people that can't actually, you know, maybe the choice for you was something like a volunteer choice, but there are women who don't have that choice yeah. and are making, are working because they have to financially, mm-hmm. um, or staying home because they have to, and maybe there's a child with a disability or some situation. And, and so, yeah, we have to start with identity. Yeah. I would, I, I agree with you. And I, I would just say like, it's interesting that we, this is, the same problem that it seems women struggle with on a regular basis. Like if we could just grasp that we're image bearers, if we could grasp that we already own the extraordinary because of who created us, how much more damage would we do? You know, like, and, and that, when I wrote that post, that was the other thing that I really was feeling in my heart was just, we, if we could wake up every morning owning who we already are, regardless of what we do, then we would, we would be compelled to do more for God's glory and for his kingdom, you know? Yeah. One of your posts, I don't know if it was a different one said like you, your motivation was who you serve and what you get to do for him Mm -hmm. and not. And so that changes like the direct, you know, the, the recipient of our work is not ourselves. It's not our image. It's not our company. It's not our business. It's not even our family. It's not even our Mm -hmm. kids. All of those things are good and, you know, God-given blessings if we have them, but not the ultimate recipient of any of our work. Yeah. So, yeah, I love what I love that you said that. And because when we serve something other than Christ, we'll always be lacking. We'll always come to the table empty-handed. But with Christ, when we show up and we're serving him, like he only wants us. We're enough for him. You know, we don't have to fill any gaps or check any other checklist except for saying, I believe you, God, like Mm -hmm. I follow you, God, like that's all he wants from us is that surrendered obedience. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, just like to point out the obvious, I would say like in your stay at home motherhood, showing up and writing truth in that way is like, God is doing something extraordinary, even through that, like, even if it's just one post that one person sees that causes me to go, Hey, I want you to talk about that. And then now you get to, you know, share that truth, what you're learning, what God's doing in your story to inspire and encourage other women who are living the exact same story or women who are living a different story, but feel trapped in the same way by their inability to find 
peace and satisfaction in the work of their hands, whether that's changing diapers or running a business. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. And honestly, like um, yesterday we were, I was having lunch with my kids and, you know, we had slowed down. I wasn't distracted by my phone. Like it was just us. We were in the moment. And my four-year-old was asking me questions about how God created the world and why he created the world the way he did. And I found more satisfaction in that unseen moment than I have ever found in writing an Instagram post or putting my words out there. Those satisfy me, but I was filled up by being able to be present for my kids in that moment. And that's extraordinary. Like that was an extraordinary moment. And I'm glad that I was able to experience it. I love that. Yeah. I have a similar, similar story just happened to me this morning on the way to BSF. Mm -hmm. I was playing, speaking of singing worship songs on Spotify, I I was playing this song by Bethel called Ain't No Grave. Mm, Um, I haven't heard that one. It's a new one that they just put out. I think it's an old song that they redid. Maybe it's a, like a remake. Cause when I searched it on Spotify, um, there was like hundreds of versions, so they must oh, wow. have taken it. And but anyways, so it's by, I think it's Bethel. Yeah. So it's, it's talking about how it says, I think one of the lines is that I'm going to walk right out the grave because, because he did essentially. And my oh, yeah. four-year-old was like, why is she saying there ain't no brave? And so I was like, no, she's saying grave. She's talking about Jesus leaving the grave. And she was like, Oh, why is she talking about that? And I started explaining it, how like when we're followers of Jesus, we get to go where he is, which means like we leave the grave that we are in. And I started crying, like just talking to her about that. I was like, this is such a beautiful opportunity. And yeah, like you said, like, I mean, just the moment of seeing her, like, just get excited, like, Oh, Oh, wow. I get it. Like, is just, there's nothing to describe. And I didn't plan that moment. You know, that's God like provoking her to thought about, you know, himself. So it was yeah. just beautiful. Like exactly what you're saying. Oh, I love that. Those you are crying. That's those are the extraordinary, you know, I mean, I, I held it together, but I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> those are the extraordinary things in the very, very ordinary moments. Isn't it funny how we overcomplicate the scripture? And then in those moments when we get to describe it to a four-year-old, we're like, Jesus, you made this accessible to all of us. Like we've just made it so complicated and it's not, it's not complicated. It isn't. Guys, it's Saturday. So as I record this, uh, we have no plans but to stay inside because there is no sun anywhere to be found in Kansas. So this evening, I'm going to be prepping my meals for the week, and the one that I'm most excited to try from this week's meal plan is the sweet potato, caramelized onion, and goat cheese tart with sautéed kale. Uh, See, this is why Prep Dish is awesome, because I would never think of something that creative, and even if I found a recipe like that, I probably wouldn't know if I should trust the source, if it was any good. And I don't like going to a lot of extra effort if the thing's just not going to turn out good. So prep dish you can trust. They simplify meal plan and save you so much time in the kitchen. You batch prep your meals for the week on Sunday or Saturday, for instance, and then they're ready to go. It helps you save so much time and money uh, so that you don't overbuy at the store as well. That's a big one for me. You can try out a two-week free trial of prep dish at prepdish.com slash kindled. Guys, this is uh, even after your free trial is over, Prep Dish is only $14 a month. So this meal planning option is significantly cheaper than some of the other options you may have tried in the past for meal delivery or meal planning services. 
But with a two-week free trial, you really have nothing to lose. Go try it out at prepdish.com slash kindled. Let's see. So how do you battle? You mentioned Instagram. So I know, you know, I know that's, that's a battleground, but how do you battle the lies in that temptation to kind of live by comparison to others? Like what, you know, what are your fighting words? What are, where are the places that you go? And, and I, I mean, I know who you're going to, but like, how do you battle that in, in the day to day? I mean, definitely we talked about this before. I think knowing who we are helps us to not feel so compelled to compare ourselves to other people, knowing that, you know, God created me and that, um, I'm rooted in him and learning to want what I have and really learning to see beyond. Um, I talked about this a little bit yesterday and I went to the park with my kids and, um, and I thought it was such a great idea. And my four-year-old totally melted down because he was freezing cold. And I had taken a couple of pictures of us when we first got to the park, but we really only ended up being there for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I had posted these pictures, people would have assumed that my life is easy and that my kids are great. Um, And they're both melting down, screaming, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was just reminded of how like the we don't see the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. if the gospel is true for me, then that means the gospel is true for everyone, which means I am not the only broken person that exists in this world. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus came to save all of us, not just Tabitha. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just really remind myself that there's more to the story. Um, mm-hmm. There's always going to be more to the story. And a picture may be worth a thousand words, but it's not worth the entire book that that person mm-hmm. is yeah. made of. So that's one way. I, I'm also really blessed to have a husband who calls me out, who asks me why I am comparing, you know, um, and calls it what it is and says, this is comparison. You're striving to be something that you're not. You're striving to have something that you don't need. And so I really just get really brutal with myself, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. And I ask myself hard questions, especially with Instagram. Like I find myself wanting things like purchasing things that I wouldn't ever want, except that I saw it on someone else's feed. And so I asked myself questions like, do you really want that? Like, what would you like, do you want that because this other person has it and it makes you think that you're going to have what they have because you have this item? Or is it something that you really want or need in your life? Yeah. You did that recently. And it was like, so it was the word brutal is good. And it, it, it does describe, I think your writing, which is why I love it because it's like, <laughs> you're not um, mincing words. And anyways, the one thing that I was really, I, I actually laughed at was when you were like that friend that like buys new clothes every week and shops every Nordstrom sale, you know, yeah. are you compared are you comparing to that? And I've, we all have that friend. And if you don't have that friend, you might be that friend. Sometimes I could be that friend in different seasons when I'm in like a buying mode. And then other times mm-hmm. I feel like I'm looking at someone else going like, oh, why, how are they, why, how are they always buying that nice stuff? Like, I want that. I want that bag. I want that this. And, yeah. Um, it's just like, so it's such a familiar thought pattern for us as women to go, Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. I need that. Bye. Yes. <laughs> it's just so yes. easy. It's so easy. And sometimes I wonder, okay, why, why are we all here? If we, if we talk about how hard social media is, why are we all just still here? But I think yeah. the reality is it's it, like we were talking about, it's just sin entangles. It entangles mm-hmm. everywhere. It's not just on social media. It's just that that is the outworking of it in our lives today. Cause we are digitally connected all the time. Yeah. You put your, if you get rid of your social media, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm, my husband is not even big. He doesn't even on Facebook, but 
but it doesn't leave like the comparison won't leave you. It's not just no. like, oh well now now you're protected and you're safe and you'll never have another fleeting thought that is like leading you towards lusting after someone else's possessions or life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not how it works. Like sin is sin will follow you and you still have to fight the battle. So it's not like we get to just like opt out. Yeah. But I think like you're saying, like it's good to use that that opportunity that it affords, like when you when you see that in yourself rising up to really ask yourself the true question there, like what am I actually wanting right now? Cause it's not the shirt or it's not this, like, it's, it's not that, you know, new couch. It's really that I'm wanting to be loved for like who I am, or I'm wanting to be fully known and loved for, or you want that ideal life. You yes. want, you want to get to the promised land and you think you can do it through consumerism or through having this one quality that someone else has. You think that's going to bring you closer to this Mecca, but it yeah. really won't. Uh, Only Jesus can do that, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really good. Mm. Yeah. There's an article that I was reading on um, the Gospel Coalition. And let me see, got to credit the offer. It was um, by Gracie Olmstead, and I'll link it in the show notes. It's really good, but it kind of talks about this, these issues of your work in the home. It's called Your Work in the Home Matters to God. But one of the things she says is, the gospel redeems and enchants. She's talking about the cultural narrative that we should have it all and instead choosing to focus on just a few things. And she says, but this doesn't need to make us depressed, bored, or resentful. Sweeping floors, cleaning dishes, and changing dirty diapers may be monotonous, but it can still convey and contain great meaning. The key, as she points out, this author, Reisig points out, is seeing the vocational depth within even the most monotonous of tasks, seeing the glory in the ordinary and we must turn to Jesus for this site. That's good. You know, we have to turn to him. Um, and th- this other, uh, this author she's quoting says that the ordain, ordinary and mundane is the way of Christ. The gospel redeems and enchants every aspect of our lives from the spe- spectacular to the quotidian. Yeah. We have a savior who was a carpenter, a king who spent his days with fishermen. He taught us that work isn't u- ultimately about us or about how it makes us feel, but it's about loving and serving our neighbor. Um, yeah. And like you said, like who we're looking for. So I just love that. That's really good. Someone I've been obsessed with recently in the Bible is David and just his whole story. And specifically, I was really just thinking about how when David was secretly anointed by Samuel, he did not show up in the lineup of brothers. Like Samuel comes and he's looking them over. He's not there. He is in the field with his sheep doing the thing that God has called him to do. And I just find that so incredible that when God wanted to raise up a king, he wanted a king who was after his own heart. And it's interesting to me that what that looked like was somebody who was satisfied in the mundane and satisfied in the the job or the vocation that others might have looked at and said, why, you know, Mm -hmm. like, is that, is that worthy? You know, is that enough? Um, and I just, I've been sitting on that recently and just like, how could I, how can I be more like that? You know, not so worried about trying to get to the lineup that wasn't even on that, maybe even on his, you know, field of gates. Like he wasn't necessarily thinking, how can I become the next King? He was just doing the work that God put in front of him. Right. I would imagine if he had, (laughs) if he had been thinking that, he probably wouldn't have been in the fields, you know. <laughs> right? Exactly. I don't think that sheep can promote you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. I was talking with Heather Mc, McFadden of Don't Mom Alone podcast and 
She said, God is the best promoter. And that just keeps like, it keeps running through my head, you know, in regards to both like just, just life overall, like, you know, my, my work and my motherhood, like I don't need my superior mothering skills to raise good children or successful children or, or like a a family that I can be proud of someday and, and flaunt as like my, here's my prize, Mm -hmm. um, because that will leave me wanting. And I don't need to promote myself and, you know, hustle to the point of finding success materially or financially within my business. Like God is the promoter here. All the work is being done by him anyways. Like if I find blessing in my work, like that's from him. It is not Mm -hmm. like I just somehow cracked the magic code of the universe and hustled my way to success. Like that's the thing that too, I think it's hard for us to remember sometimes that even people who are not believers are, you know, obviously non-believers find success all the time, mm-hmm. but the devil also gives his children gifts. And, you know, I mean, there's blessing coming from both like blessing, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he rewards those to a certain degree that he has the power to do so who are following after him. And obviously we know that isn't actually blessing in the same way that God gives yeah. us blessing. It's actually a curse, but right. And you're, but, but and to you're our getting eyes, there. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You're okay. Yeah. No, that's, to our eyes, it, it may look like the same, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's a, there's a shortcut that they're taking, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that's the distinguishing thing is that believers are asked to sit and wait and be obedient. And you can get to success if you do it in a dirty way or in an unethical way, but Mm -hmm. we're required to maintain a certain level of morality while we're going after the things that we, you know, feel called to, which um, something recently that I've been thinking about is just the idea that we like the kingdom flips calling on its head. We, I think as believers have also changed the definition of, we've like, we've elevated calling to almost an idol, like yeah. motherhood is my calling or this job or this hustle is my mm-hmm. calling. And honestly, I don't know that God cares so much about that as he does mm-hmm. of what he called us to, which was yeah. to, um, uh, turn people into disciples. Right. Yeah. And that can look like anything. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be motherhood. It doesn't have to necessarily be the side hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, The calling is to just follow after him and bring people with us. Um, And that's what what we overcomplicate, right? Like success, Mm -hmm. success looks different in the kingdom. Success isn't necessarily all the money or all the things or all the fashion or all the influence. Success Mm -hmm. could just be sitting at my kitchen island with my kids and telling them about Jesus, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You talk about, um, in one of your other posts that I read recently, you talked about the mundane moments, not looking very victorious. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you said it even in the the post that you read earlier about living in victory. You said like, how can I, you know, how, how do, how do I claim to be living in victory when I'm not, you know, it doesn't appear that I'm like winning, winning any big battles or, or doing anything like amazing. Like you, you kind of Mm -hmm. reference that, but I would love to know, like from your perspective, how do you practically in those very plain moments of doing laundry or, you know, you just cleaned up the kitchen and your kids spilled their cup of milk on the floor. And you're like, okay, how do you practically live in victory in those small, ordinary moments? Like, what does that look like for you? And I know you don't do it perfectly, but I mean, right, right. Like, how do you, how do you tra- like change that from feeling like purposeless 
and a failure. And like, why does this matter? Like, why am I doing, why do I have to do this? Like again, no. Well, first I would say that like victory is about claiming Ah. Christ. And so something that I'm practically doing is finding tangible ways of claiming Christ throughout my day. So that includes putting worship music on in the morning because the morning time is when I probably feel the most heavy Mm-hmm. about what tasks I have set before me. And so if I can change the atmosphere to be victorious, then I can also live victoriously through that. So that's one thing that I do uh, tangibly and practically is turning worship music on every morning. I even have that written down as like my morning routine, turn yeah. worship music on. That's good. And so, you know, that also looks like doing a devotional or like right now it just means reading a scripture um, and not overcomplicating it. But if those things aren't available to me, which they often aren't, if I'm like at King Supers and I have screaming children, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do order groceries online, but sometimes I do go to the store with my kids. I don't know why I do that. Probably just to yeah. torture myself a little bit or yep. just become more spiritually edified. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I want to do a hard thing today. Let's go to the store. <laughs> This is hard. Let's make this happen. Um, I'm I'm learning that like it's really easy to make it seem like vict- victory is a destination, and I think that's true because that's why Christ came, right? Is mm-hmm. so that one day we can join Him. So there is a destination involved, um, but because that's not right now, I have to remind myself that it's almost like a daily resurrection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that sounds really weird, but like the idea that okay, living victoriously means keep going. It means getting off the couch. It means doing one more dish. It means folding one more um, shirt. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just that idea of like staying steadfast and standing firm and, and just keep going, you know? And, mm-hmm. and knowing that victory doesn't mean that I have to know what's ahead. It just means that I need to be present where I'm at. Mm, And so that's less practical, but I'm, I'm learning that it's really a mindset change. How can I claim Christ in my head so that it translates to my heart so that it translates to my work? And I think that if we can do that, if we continually do that, if we continually claim Christ in our day and in our in our head, then we'll start finding ourselves living a more peaceful life. Not because it's more peaceful because my house for sure is not at peace. It's chaotic. It's loud. Um, my husband often yells at me when we talk, which I think is hilarious. He doesn't even realize he's doing it, but it's because it's so loud in our house, (laughs) you know, but it's just finding, finding that in your, in your heart and living from that. And that's why I love this is not my own quote. And I honestly have no idea who said it, probably Bill Johnson, because I read a lot of his stuff. But the idea of living from victory and not for victory means claiming what Christ has already done for you and not trying to strive or chase after it in your life by not thinking that the to-do list or the tasks or you know the accomplishments are what's going to make you feel better because they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not going to. Yes. Um, That, yeah, that reminds me of, of something that Heather, Heather Borsma said when she came on, I think she was talking about like working from love versus working for love and it's the exact same concept. So I love that. So good. Yeah. So 
I love, uh, yeah, claiming Christ. Like practically, I, I I know what you mean, and I I think I am envisioning like how how that would look. But what does that mean to you? Like in your head, what do you actually tell yourself when you're like, are you like Christ is enough, or Jesus help? Like Jesus, like you own this moment. Um, help me mm-hmm. to see the eternal perspective here. Like even though I'm wanting to yeah. just be angry, like what it, what exactly is the prayer of your heart and mind in those moments? I think like for me, it's because I'm a pretty emotionally driven person. It's taking my emotions and laying them down at the cross and saying, Mm -hmm. Christ can take, he can take how I'm feeling in this moment and he can help heal the wounds or heal and even heal the deeper wound that I don't even Mm -hmm. see. So it is a lot of like, Jesus, help me reframe this. Help Mm -hmm. me look at this differently. Help me see this from a kingdom mindset instead of, for me, a victim mindset. This isn't mm-hmm. happening to me. This isn't, this isn't something that's coming at me. This is just my everyday life. How can I overcome it? You know? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I think it's, it's really just seeing, seeing what I'm prone to, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, the victim mindset, like I said, of thinking it's happening to me. Well, my kids aren't out to get out against me. You know, they're not out trying to make me feel like a terrible mom, you know, like that's not their, their goal in life. I take it that way because of, you know, being a mom and being intertwined in their everyday life, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of looking at my own heart and saying, okay, God, you've got to um, take this mess and turn it into something different change it (laughs) this clay vessel (laughs) yeah oh that's what I was going to mention too earlier when I was thinking about the question of like you know how where in the bible do we see the ordinary being used for extraordinary and the first thing that came to my mind was like vessels of clay I mean Mm -hmm. Jesus references those and and talks about us being that we're made by the potter and vessels for destruction or vessels for good works and something as simple as the Mm -hmm. most basic elements of the earth, like water and mud being put together to form something that is useful is, I mean, that is the most ordinary thing, you know, yeah. the, the very, it's, it's been around since the beginning of time, people have been drinking from things that they <laughs> made to hold water <laughs> Yes, and vessels to hold things. And I just, that picture of like the, the ordinary being used for extraordinary purpose, meaning those moments of your life that feel like a failure, that feel like I am losing my grip here, or I feel like I'm sliding, you know, sliding downhill and I can't stop myself. That those are the moments like that are used, I don't know, to conduct like heaven's business, it it feels to me. I mean, and even in like I do have a business and I and I am an entrepreneur and and I can't I can't point to any success that I've ever felt that was transformative for me and my growth. Do you know what I mean? Like I I can't I can't say like that. When I when I did this, I realized God loved me. <laughs> there's nothing. There's none of the like my mm-hmm. transformative moments never happen around the things that feel and look like success to the world or in the world's eyes. They've always been in the moments where everything, like my entire my whole world shifts, like where God wants to change my perspective and understanding of what actually He is after. And it's not ever yeah. me being more successful. It's not ever that. So I and mm-hmm. I think that that truth just is is poignant for for the woman who who it, it does have a, a job or a business mm-hmm. as well as the one who does not. So I, I think we all need that. So talking yeah. about like 
branching into, you know, going forward, how do we as women coming from different places, coming from different backgrounds and different, you know, everyday lives, like how do we engage in conversations like this one with grace with one another? Because it is like, it can be a dicey thing to just enter into really talking about anything specific when it comes to motherhood and work, like it depends on, you know, the environment you're in, but you can feel that sense of like, Oh no, where is this going to go? Like how, <laughs> how might someone take this? If I say X, Y, and Z, whatever that is, you know, whether you, yeah. whether, regardless of which side you're on or like one example would be say a mom is um, entering a new season and she's looking at not working anymore mm-hmm. or putting a business aside and she's going to have another baby. And she's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I have to step away because I have too much going on versus the mom that decides to keep working with that third baby. Like how do yeah. we have these conversations with grace about, and, and, and what is the conversation? How do you, how do we enter into that? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, what it made me think of was it made me think of when I first left my job, I was like, okay, I've got to make friends. I got to figure out how to do this thing. Not solo because I'm a social person and I want to leave the house. And I had really considered attending a mops. And in the first year that I was home, I was like, I can't do mops. I can't do it. I had attended like a, a woman's thing at my church and I just felt so alienated from the other women there because I had left this place. And honestly, it was because I was so full of pride. I was just like, I cannot relate to these women. Like they, we have nothing in common. They don't even know like what it means to like be at work. And like, it was like a really yucky, like place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a year of just time of being with um, some wonderful women who really taught me a lot about God and a, a lot about learning to really listen, but mostly to like that humility is key in like dealing with relationships with other people, regardless of where they're coming from, especially women and uh, whether they're a stay at home mom or a working mom that ultimately like we don't have it all figured out. And I don't know if like you get this feeling, especially from social media again, but I sometimes feel like as Christian women, we have to like have this mask on that we have it all figured out, that we mm-hmm. have God figured out, that we have our faith figured out, um, yeah. that we have motherhood figured out. And I've just learned that the best way to like communicate with people is one, like knowing that I don't have it figured out mm-hmm. and that the other woman probably doesn't either, regardless of how she's presenting herself. And that helps me to just listen instead of trying to posture and pretend that I know what I'm doing, (laughs) whether it comes to being a mom or even just being a follower of Christ, you know, like I only know, but a speck of who God is. And like, I'm always going to be learning about him and I'm always going to be learning about motherhood because you know, my children change. And so therefore the information that I have about how to mother them is going to change, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I, I think humility is absolutely essential as like you mentioned, just because in the other thing about that is recognizing that whatever it is that you have is not something you have earned, mm-hmm. not something you deserve, but it's a gift. Yeah. So if what you have is that life at home with three kids that is a gift. Mm-hmm. If what you have is a uh, a full-time job and your kids are in full-time daycare, that is a gift. Yep. Like if you have a business, that is a gift. 
Um, and that, that kind of leads me into um, this last quote I wanted to mention from one of your posts is um, we don't have to apologize for the lives that we get to lead in exchange for the life he gave. Mm-hmm. I love that because I do think that a lot of us often feel like we should apologize, but we also know that we don't want to. And so that makes us defensive and it makes us enter into conversations or scenarios with a point to prove and a battle to win. Yes. And, and, you know, we feel that we have to represent our side well and, and kind of give all the reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. And just so you know, like I'm doing that, you know, all the things like mm-hmm. I, I am being a good mom, whatever it is, you know, either way, or, um, yeah. I think we all feel that, you know, at times and, and, and I, we don't have to apologize and amen. Yeah. And I think, I think like it points to like what we know of God. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. if we constantly feel like we have to justify ourselves, then we don't know who actually justifies us. Like if we feel yes. like we have to battle for ourselves, then we're not allowing God to do the fighting for us. Like mm-hmm. it really points to like the capacity of who we think God is in our lives. And I think if we could just let God reign and let God be, then we could also be ourselves and just be satisfied and content with who we are right now in this moment and like come humbly into every conversation and every relationship because we know that God is doing the work. Like we don't have to do the work, you know? And neither does that other person. We don't have to posture yes. or pretend. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Such good That's reminders awesome. for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. I mean, I, I think all of us need those reminders because we, you know, we know it's true, but, but it's really hard. It, it is really hard to have, to have real relationships where you feel like you can, you are, and then obviously there's varying degrees of depth with, you know, different friends, but, um, but just yeah. to like, to, to know where you stand before you enter into a conversation that may, may get you off on the, that pathway of kind of feeling that you need to prove something like, mm-hmm. no, re- remember whose, whose life are you living? Is it, is it one that you earned or you somehow maneuvered yourself to this? No, you're living like the life that God gave you. And this yeah. is a gift. I, say, I think we have to battle against offense. And I think especially yeah. in like today's age, like even just this weekend, like quite honestly, like I heard um, something, I heard about something that someone said about me. And I truly had to like fight a mm-hmm. thoughts captive and not be offended and try to prove myself. All I wanted to yeah. do was prove this person wrong. Like I wanted to wrestle against this thing that they said about me, mm-hmm. but I knew that even if I did, like what satisfaction would I get from that? Would that be instantaneous or would that do anything for me eternally or have any longevity in my life? You know, mm-hmm. like. I don't, I didn't, I don't need to prove anything to them because what, what would it do for me? What would it add to my life? Nothing. It would add nothing to my life, you know? Yeah. And it just reminded me, like, I just need to continue to be like Christ and continue to claim Christ in my life and know that he's working out what I need to be, what I need to have worked out in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's good. And I think one other thing that I was thinking earlier that, um, you know, I, I want to do a better job of this in my own friendships is recognizing the gift that we see in the other person, recognizing mm. the, the, the strength that we see in them or how God is using them or, you know, just like taking a moment to stop looking at yourself yes. and kind of get your eyes off of thinking that everybody in the room is looking at you when really like you're the only one looking at you. Everyone's looking at themselves. They're all worried about what does everybody else think or feel about mm-hmm. me? And if we could just take a minute and say like, you know, I know you're really struggling with this 
new chapter and putting aside this business that you've been building and, you know, and being with your children. And I can't imagine like all the feelings you're having, but I just want to say like, what I'm seeing you is I, I do see spiritual growth and I see fruit that you are trusting God because you, you know, three years ago or four years ago, you might not have had this reaction. You might've fought it and you might've been, you know, upset, but like, I, I see that he is growing you through this and just calling out like the good things that we see even in each other goes along with that humility. And, um, and I think just goes so far for that other person to not need to posture or prove or yeah, I just, it's such a, it's such a spiritual practice of like intentionality of like doing that for other people and loving them well. And I really do think um, I've met a few people in my life who who carry God with them to such a degree that they're so they're not concerned with themselves. And I think that is such a tactic of the enemy is to constantly try to make our gaze turn inward when our gaze should be turning up instead. Because we would get so much more work done in our life if we are looking at Christ instead of looking at ourselves or looking at others. Like that's the enemy uses comparison and offense and pride to distract us from our true work and not the work of our hands, but the spiritual work of the kingdom set before us and what we're called to do, you know? Yeah. Yep. I love it. Well, Tabitha, thank you so much. I just, I'm grateful for your writing and that I found you and that you're encouraging women, um, you know, and and not just stay at home moms, like you're encouraging uh, everybody who's probably reading it, including me. And I I just, yeah, I'm I'm grateful that you're stepping out and sharing what you're learning as you're learning it um, and using your gift in that way. So thank you. The feelings are mutual. Thank you. You've encouraged me today just from our conversation. Oh, good. (laughs) I, yes, I won't keep your mom any longer. I see he's looking at me like, get out of here. <laughs> He's like, I just want full attention right now. Please. Well, um, where can people find you online and, and follow your work and read all these amazing things that I'm referencing? So two places, cause I've, um, simplified in the new year and that is just my Instagram. And then also I have a newsletter that, um, I send out regularly with all oh, the cool. fun things and that's it. Newsletter and Instagram. Oh, awesome. So. <laughs> I got to sign up for that. Okay. Well, I'll link it in the show notes thank and you. people can go follow you on there. Perfect. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in this week and come back next week. I'm going to be chatting with my friend, Holly Weimer, who is a noonday ambassador. And if you haven't heard about noonday, you are going to love our conversation. And if you have heard about it, you'll also love it. But Holly is actually a friend of mine locally in Kansas City. And so we have a really fun conversation coming up for you next week. Guys, I was just checking out my uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes and I have 59 ratings and reviews. And I have a goal. I would love to get to 100 ratings or reviews by May 1st. Could we make that happen? Do you think that's possible? Uh, That's adding 41 between now, early March and May. If you are a listener and have not yet left a rating interview and you want to be one of the 40 people to help me get to 100 by May 1st, I would be so 
pleased and delighted for you to do that. Um, go on over to the link in my profile and on Instagram. I am referring to Instagram, HaleyWilliams.Kindled, and you can find the link to iTunes there or just open it up in your podcast app and um, scroll to the bottom, leave a rating and review, which means a star rating and then also some words. That's what iTunes likes the best. If you could do that, I would just be so pleased and so delighted. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a review each week between now and May 1st to highlight uh, those of you who are leaving new ones and just say thank you. So leave a rating and review if you want me to read yours uh, on a future episode between now and May. Okay, thank you guys so much and have an amazing week.